with uh, starting with Breaking Bad, where I felt like I didn't have to get bigger and I could just be um, the version, you know, the energy that I naturally have can work in this context. So it's, it's a great feeling. feeling. I mean, with the, this guy, Vince Gilligan, who wrote, you know, Breaking Bad, he didn't make you audition or anything nope. for the for the soul Crazy. part, which is which is great. He was just a fan of yours. And, and from Mr. And, Show. Yeah, from, by the way, which that, is crazy because I thought it would be Larry Sanders. I thought Larry Sanders was the thing I had done that got me the part on Breaking Bad because it's the closest thing to Saul is Jimmy is uh, Stevie Grant, whatever. But he no, it was all this crazy stuff I did on the show with David Cross called Mr. Show. That and by he the was way, a big what, fan of. why was Mr. Show not bigger? Mr. Show, like yeah. I know that I didn't hear about Mr. Yeah. Show at all. Yeah. It was like a, a, the best kept secret on HBO, yeah. which you don't want to be. Yeah. You wrote some yeah, fucking no, brilliant sketches on that. I mean, my, yeah. my favorite is the uh, <laughs> so funny. This fucking guy on Mount Everest. The, the yeah, the story home, of Everest. Yeah, the story he's of trying Everest. to tell his mom and dad about climbing yeah. Mount Everest. It's a really brilliant sketch. You should Google it or something and see it. Yeah. But it's a great it's, sketch. You wrote it. Uh, yeah. It's funny. It was everything that Saturday Night Live really wasn't in the sense that, you know, you could script this thing. You could edit this thing. You didn't have to yeah, do it live. You could rehearse it. You could yeah, all good stuff. Pull it off. Yeah. Should have been a bigger show, right? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty intense and kind of weird. And we went where, wherever we wanted, me and David. And uh, I wished it had been bigger. We sure loved what we did. But um, it was a strange time. I think nowadays it would have gotten massive. I think there's been this ability of networks and companies to find ways to you know, share very distinctive ideas over time. They're very aware now, which they didn't used to be, of the value of a strong voice and how over time, if you can just let it live in a corner for a while, it can just find its audience. I mean, that's true of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was not a hit coming out of the box at all. Right. It was almost canceled after the first two seasons. And and when I went on the second season, I'd never seen it. Um, and Really? And, at the end what do you of the mean? second season, okay, so I get a phone call. Do you want you to do this show? You should say yes to it, my agent says. Uh, like I'd been saying no because I was like actually having financial problems for the first time in my life, and I was saying right. yes to everything. But anyway, I had this reputation as a guy who says no, and um, which is a fun reputation to have, but right. um, but it wasn't true. Um, uh, so... Uh, whatever. I, I, uh, I'd never seen the show. I'd only seen the billboard with, uh, Walter White in his underwear. And, right. uh, and I called a, a friend. I thought I'd have to call five or six friends to ask him, what is this thing? Should I do it? And, uh, and I was going to do it just to be very right. clear. I was going right. to take that cash. Um, uh, was it good cash or was it, were you at a point in your career where you took what the fuck they had to offer and that? I it. took what the fuck they had. Right. <laughs> I mean, listen, it was perfectly fine because it's TV money, but right. uh, it was uh, not the top of the line. But right. that's okay. Listen, mm -hmm. I, I got into a weird space and it was my own fault. It was purely my own fault because I don't like looking at uh, money. Uh, I don't like looking at uh, accounting anything. 
Right. Uh, so as a result, uh, I don't know. I have no idea how much money I have. <laughs> Is that true? Ever. I don't. I never yeah, believe anyone true. when they say that. I can't, Howard. Can I just tell you something? This is really true. I Vegas, I've gone to Vegas a few times, and it can be fun, and God bless you if you love it. But blackjack is too much math for me. Blackjack right. is like I sit there, and I get 10 minutes in. I'm like, who's making me do this math? I. So I how do you manage your money, up. though? I mean, in a way, this well, keeps you, you very childlike. you get a business manager. You get right. a business manager. Okay. And I won't name names, but I had the same one Johnny Depp had. <laughs> oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Hey, I got in a real hole. Um, and uh, it was okay. I mean, uh, and, uh, but, I, but anyhow, a friend of mine, I called, the first guy I called had seen the show. Nobody had seen the show. Mad Men was huge. Right. And nobody was watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> and uh, imagine that world. Yeah, Topsy but I would world. think, but call me crazy, Bob, I would think if I got offered a job on a TV show uh, and, you know, the, the Vince Gilligan calls says, I want you to play this guy, Saul, he's a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. on a show that's currently, you know, airing. You can, I would go out of curiosity and go watch the show a couple of episodes. No. Well, I did watch it on the flight. <laughs> Oh, to fucking Albuquerque. <laughs> I popped a DVD into my little computer and uh, watched 10 minutes of it because I wanted to make sure I got the tone right. I understood it was a drama. Right. And I also saw that my character was pretty funny. So, like, how, did the, how does it marry up, you know? I right. wanted to find that zone. And um, so I, I did watch 10 or 15 minutes of it. And, and then, of course, I dialed it in a lot more when I got in a room with uh, Brian Cranston, and he's fucking doing a master class, ten, you know, two feet from my face. And I'm like, I better amp up my game here and show up. But I, I, I was, uh, I, I figured a, it out. I figured it out. And, I can't uh, and, imagine. Uh, I, I can't imagine. I mean, first of all, what a great role. When you, when you come into this thing... It's sheer insanity. What great writing. Do you have to stick to the exact writing the way it is, or were you yeah. called the Oh, you do. No, no, so no, you, no, no, no. This uh, isn't comedy. No this right. isn't comedy your comedy screw ups and fool arounds. This is this is adult uh drama effort right. work right. prose. Yeah, listen, I uh I I try, literally, even to the day we're doing Better Call Saul now. We're shooting the sixth season now. Right. Um, I really, really, really try to do the script exactly as written. Everything, everything exactly as written. You know why, Howard? Because I got that first script from Vince, and I was immediately started fucking with it, just like a comedy writer does. I said, right. oh, I wouldn't say that. Oh, what if I said this? I started writing all this garbage <laughs> Pain into in the, the ass. margins. Yeah. Right. And I didn't even know Vince Gilligan or anything, and I hadn't seen the show. But... Uh, Somewhere Here we go again. In the, yeah, somewhere in the middle of it, I went, you know what? Hey, what if you tried to be an actor? What, what if you just tried? Would, would that be okay once in your life, you fucking clown? Right. And why don't you try to do... You know, actors say this thing sometimes. They say, I wouldn't say that. They usually try to say my character wouldn't say that. But what they usually right. mean is I wouldn't say that. They're trying to protect their own dignity or kind right. of make it easier for the words to come out of their mouth, maybe. Yes. Um, right. And and I I thought, 
you know, well, I'm not me. I'm Stevie. I'm I'm uh, I'm Saul Goodman. I'm this guy, and he's chosen to talk this way. He's actually chosen this persona. He, he tells Walter White, "This is all phony. This is a thing I'm inventing." <laughs> so why don't I try to act for once in my life, and and just really commit to this person who doesn't talk like me, doesn't act like me, doesn't dress like me, hasn't doesn't have my priorities. Let's not do that thing where you make it easier for you to to do it, but rather you stretch yourself and and put yourself and try to really live in another person's skin who's not you, not you at all. And and uh, it was a, you know, I guess I like challenges, Howard, similar to this training for I'll, nobody. I'll, and I'll I think tell you that what. That is no, yeah. That is a huge revelation to have as a human being. I mean, I, I went when I got to do a little bit of acting on my movie, and I was like, "What if I did do the script?" And the director yeah. called me over and said, "You know, you're you're in there ad libbing and blah 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 blah. We're not interested in that. The other actors need to know where to come in, and and, and you know, you've spent a lot of time on the script. You know, Lenny wrote yeah. this script. It's great. And when great I started movie. doing that, I loved it. It was liberating." Right. I, I, I was yeah. shocked. I'd never done that before where I memorized something and I try to make it come to life. Right. It was, because it's a it, trick. It's hard. And then when you do yep. it, when you feel like you nailed it, like you made those words as written come out and they felt natural. They were right. They belonged right where they were. And you, the yep. emotion was there and you did something. You did something kind of transformative and, right. and you felt it. And And what a great. That's what the that's what the the vibe that's is. The that's job. what that's that's, that's the job. That's what's cool about it. And that's why in nobody, you know, the hardest thing for me in this transition into drama has been to lose some irony, to lose the safety of irony of making of winking at the camera, of winking with your lines, your line being a smart alecky version of your whatever emotional state your character's in, but rather to do just earnest, you know, straightforward feeling and, and sell it and believe it and, and have it play for people, have it come across authentic. That's the hardest thing to do because we're in comedy and we make fun of those big emotions. Well, you've transitioned over the last, years into getting more earnest and and straightforward when you feel like it that's true <laughs> and gotten that's good true. at this and it's um well, and it's it's a rewarding thing to do but you know you want to keep that authenticity it's that feeling of not maudlin sentimentality not not easy or kind of cheap or you know um not a representation of it, but rather to really transmit that emotion, really connect with it and, and let it come out of you. And when you can do that, and, and in this case, oftentimes with language that isn't the way, again, the way you would say it, it's a, it's a trip. You really become yeah. someone else for a little while. And that's the, that's the thing that's cool about acting. Yeah. I used to wonder what was, why does anyone want to be an actor? I mean, outside of being famous, <laughs> right. You know, I like making fun of, of things that, you know, with comedy acting, you can laugh, you can literally laugh at yourself in the sketch and the audience will enjoy that. Right. They, that's how much you can be inside and outside the part 
Well, that you drama, understood. Yeah. Yeah. In drama, you cannot do that. You know, you, you absolutely do not. It's not working if you're watching it and you, you, it works best when you really lose yourself in that moment. And it's almost like you come back after they say cut and you come back to who you are in the real moment and you feel like you went somewhere. It's, it's a cool feeling. Do you ever have nightmares about like, gee, I almost turned down better call Saul. Like, I think there was a point where you said after breaking bad, when they said, Hey, you're going to have, I did say no to it. And my kids convinced me to do it. You know, listen, my kids were, listen, the, the situation that we talked about where there was this intruder in the house, that was not something that we got over in a day. Um, it created some very serious issues for our family. So we were still dealing with uh, the, you know, uh, resonance of that. Um, And my kids were just, I just felt like they were just a little too young to be leaving, you know, and it has to do with my own dad, which we talked about, Right. you know, um, I just, and I knew we were going to shoot in Albuquerque and I just thought, I just can't do it. It's just, they're, they're two years too young. Um, they were probably 15 and 13 at the time, 16 and 14. I think, no, 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 they were 14 and 12. Mm. And, uh, so it just was like, they're too young for me to make this commitment and leave for any great length of time. And my wife, Naomi, is a great manager. She's a great talent manager. Uh, and she works very, very hard. She works harder than I do, harder than anyone. And, uh, and she's got to work and she's got a business and she's got great clients. Some of whom you've talked to on your show uh, at the time, Kristen Wig and Bill Hader and Casey right. Wilson and, uh, Jenna Fisher, amazing people at whose career she, she loves starting somebody from, just complete unknown. That's her joy. Her joy is to take somebody who nobody sees. She literally hunts for people on YouTube and, and finds amazing talent and sees what they can become. And, and, and getting them there is her pure greatest joy. And she pours herself into it. So I just felt that I couldn't do it. So I said, no, it was a funny weekend, Howard, cause I got the call on Friday night. Are you going to do it? I said, no. And then I got a call on Sunday morning from my manager, Mark. And my wife is my manager, too. But in this case, in a situation like this, she had taken herself out of the decision. She said, Bob, if you want to do it, do it. We'll make it work here at home. It'll be okay. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Whatever you want. I'm going to stay out of this choice. And she did. She stayed completely out of it. And uh, Mark called me on a Sunday morning, and he goes, so I'm getting a call from Sony. Uh, they're kind of Sunday morning. Are you sure you're saying no to this? Is it a real no? And he was right to ask, you know. And and I said, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think my kids are old enough. I can't leave for that length of time. And it was a conversation, and the kids were walking around. And they heard me. And I hang up, and I go, uh my son looks at me and he goes, so dad, you're not going to do that show. And I go, no, son, I, I, I'm not, I don't think we're ready for that. And he goes, well, you're going to disappoint a lot of people. And wow. I go, well, I said, well, I'm going to disappoint a lot of strangers. 
And he goes, well, some of them are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, uh, and then we talked about it. And, uh, and he goes, Dad, we'll make it work. You know, it'll be okay. And, and we'll help out. And, and so then later in the day, my daughter and I, I was taking her somewhere. And she had also heard from my son. And she goes, you should do that show. And she start, she's an amazing kid, my daughter, Aaron, And she... Uh, Kid grew grew up in Hollywood, right? Because right. she goes, she says this to me, Dad, if you were to do the show, how bad, if it was bad, how bad would it be? And I go, well, it wouldn't be bad. It would, it could be a misfire. That's the worst it could be because these are great writers. Vince Gilligan, Peter Gould, and that team the worst it would be now you you and I know that actually it could have been a big uh shit Bomb. to bed right um, it could <laughs> and a joke for all time right but but in to some extent I was right you know the the guys and the writers uh, uh the integrity of their work uh, how there's going to be some excellence in there just even uh, on their worst day and uh, so I told her at the worst, it would be an interesting experiment. And she, you know, she said, you should do it. And so on Monday, mm. here I go to call my manager. And then I get a call from him first. And the deal's gone up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm already going to say yes. <laughs> no, keep quiet. Keep quiet. Uh, right. But uh, I was... Uh, well. You know, you know, it is a miracle uh, and it is a testament to you that the show was successful because, you know, it, it, with all the great writers and everything else, you know how many times sequels or something based mm -hmm. off of the show, they bomb, you know. Yeah, <clears> you know, you it, know what, it, Howard? That, I've done this so much that it didn't even occur to me how badly I could be failing here until they put the billboards up, until we finished the season and I saw that goddamn massive billboard go up on vine and i'm like oh my god everyone's gonna sample this everyone right. in the world is gonna at least check it out if we right. didn't do a good job i'm gonna be that's it i can't go <laughs> I'll <anywhere>. be a <laughs> joke. <laughs> but you know what i still didn't really care howard i still didn't give a shit really there's something well, about the me i don't know what it is there's some part of me I'm sure it would have been hard if the show hadn't worked for a while, but I just, maybe I just don't care what people think enough, uh, What I don't but know that's what healthy. it is. I think that's really healthy, honestly. I mean, uh, my problem is sometimes I worry too much what people think. The, the idea that you're like, you know, fuck it. This is something I want to do. I believe in it. You know, people don't yeah. like it. They don't like it. That's healthy. That keeps you you know, that keeps you in a movie like nobody because you say, I want to do this. I don't care if people buy me as an action star. I'm going to do it. That's it. I gave I'm, it my I'm, all. I, I, I was fully aware that it could be uh, a, an embarrassment that didn't work and I just look stupid. But I, I just think I've done that a number of times in my life now. I'm better. I'm good at taking that risk. But mm -hmm. I, you got to do your prep work. I mean, listen, I... I I trained and I gave it everything I had. Um, it's not like I. No, you give a about. shit, but you're yeah. not going to be scared off by oh this yeah. imaginary and I, reaction. And honestly, we're in show business. I mean, at some point you have to be, you have to walk out there on the stage and risk That's it. That's right. That point comes. How, 
How much does it bother you? In ter- because he, I think you put out a movie that easily could have generated over $100 million. If we had theaters, if the pandemic never occurred, yeah. Um, I, I love the film. You know how I feel about it. It's an action Thanks. film, which you know, if theaters were open, the kids would be going, everyone would be wanting to see this, and 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 it's credible and it's good. Right. I, I think you could have made over a hundred million dollars with this film easily, especially internationally. Um, You're because make it me isn't. Cry, a, but go on. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a real, it's a real, it's a real downer in the sense that you put all this time into the movie and it worked. It worked. Thank yeah. God it worked. Yeah, uh, but we, you know, it was the number one movie. But you can't, you know, who's going? No, everyone's afraid to go yeah. to the movies. No, listen, How- Howard. I went to see it at the uh, at the Universal City Walk on Saturday night, and uh, I thought, you know, gee, I thought we were selling a lot of tickets. It doesn't look like there's many people in here, and and they loved it. They cheered, they laughed at all the right, right. moments. There's a lot of laughs in the movie. It's uh, great. I, I know. I said it's not ironic funny but it's funny because it's audacious there's all these crazy big moments that you yeah. just can't help but laugh and uh and i walked out and uh, the audience had really enjoyed it and the staff told me hey isn't it great you sold out and i was like that was a sellout that's as many <laughs> seats as they could sell they yeah. had that was as full as they Bob. could make the theater my wife loved it. I was shocked. We were watching it, and uh, she says, God, I love this movie. Who's this guy? I love-. She doesn't know Breaking Bad. She doesn't know Better Call yeah. Saul. She didn't know, yeah. she didn't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wow, this guy, first of all, this guy's kind of hot. And I'm like, hot? Bob Odenkirk is <laughs> hot? So he's, crazy, yeah, he's, right? I mean, he's great, like sexy, you know? Like, I mean, you pulled it off. And yet, from a financial standpoint, when you look at this pandemic yeah. for the movie mm-hmm. business, Mm-hmm. It's just it's just awful. It's horrible because, you know, you kind of know. But Howard, you know. come on, man. Uh, we we're all trying to get out of this pandemic world. And I think we helped a little bit by getting some people to feel comfortable back in the theater and have a good time. And yeah, how uh, do we see this? You're right. Movie? You're right. We- I, I just don't I, I I'm a little bit divorced from that side of the business in maybe a way that's kind of weird. I just don't. I got to do the movie I wanted to do. It came out great. And uh, over time, I think they're going to want a sequel. They're going to want a sequel. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's set up for a sequel. This would be great to come back. Bob, are you going to do it? Or is it like, fuck this? I mean, oh, oh, you are doing it. No, no, no. I I continue to train. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm writing a comedy piece with my friend David Cross. And I'm writing a bunch of different things, but I would happily and excitedly do more action. I, I love doing it, and I maintain the training. You can see Bob Bob Odenkirk starring in Nobody, which is in theaters now and is available on demand April 16th. That's uh, uh, okay. I, I think I think you'll have a big uh, a big crowd for that for sure, and Good, uh, I think they will want a sequel for it. Uh, you know, there was so many things I want to. You have to do this uh, again with me sometime because. Okay. I really want it. By the way, do you have abs now? Do you have a six-pack, as they call it? I have a four-pack. Nice. <laughs> I'm leaving what the other two. What happened to the other two? <laughs> Ice cream. It's getting there. Ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> but, um, I, I, uh, but, you know, it, the it, truth it, is I don't want to have a body like that. I want to look like a regular guy. I kind of um, skipped over so many things that I wanted to You know, I could probably do a whole interview with you on, like, the van down by the river working with Chris yeah. Farley. Yeah. Uh, 
Bob was one of the creators of that whole uh, scenario. There's a couple of there's a couple of sketches that you're responsible for at Saturday Night yeah. Live. You know, even yeah, you didn't like, get even, all that. No, I, well, because it's hard to get to everything. Bob's led a, a very interesting life. There was one. There was one sketch I was going to ask you about real quick, and then I'll let you go. Yes. When you were in SNL, there was a mm-hmm. sketch you wrote, the grumpy old man for uh, yeah. Dana Carvey. Mm-hmm. Dana Carvey yeah. ended up doing it. Yeah. And I think that's a really good piece of writing. It's very simple. It's funny. Yeah. It's like, you know, back in my day, we had small micro, we had big microphones, not these small microphones that you see all the time. And, and you couldn't you know, hear a thing through them. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the, the grumpy old man, which I am now, I mean, everything back in the day was better, you know, and it's yeah, such a even simple though it was concept. clearly worse. Yes. And, and I, I think I felt your frustration at Saturday Night Live because that's something you could have gone on and done. You could have performed that sketch. You wrote it. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's a yeah. character I could have done, uh, although D- Dana makes it sweet and uh, did a great job. Delightful. And, yes. And uh, um, they're saying, yeah, listen, Howard, you know, I was uh, I had a fair amount of stunted growth uh, maturity wise uh, that uh, I'm thankful I got to do a lot of that in hiding in Los Angeles and not in front of people and as a public figure. So, right. um, and I have a ways to go too. And the uh, other sketch that you did at Saturday Night Live, which you were a writer on was the bears, you know, the bears, yeah. uh, to mm-hmm. me, one of the, I think it's some of the best writing that was done on Saturday Night Live, the bears, you know, that yeah. whole, that whole series uh, of yes. sketches. Yeah. Yes. And Robert led the way on that, but I'm from Chicago and I actually was born in Berwyn and uh, I know all these terms and and right. everybody around me talked like that uh, although i don't really have that accent uh yes, yes you do yes, i'm you happy do. to be a part of that do i uh, yeah you have a you, you definitely i know you're from chicago i can tell you know i mean you don't have it strong but you you know you've gotten rid yeah. of some of it i imagine and yeah. the other bit that you help smigel write which i have to compliment you on i wouldn't i would be really feeling weird if i didn't say this during the interview that um this whole thing with the McLaughlin group, people probably don't even remember. Oh, the McLaughlin that group. was the best. And I did help with that, Howard. And I'm thankful to contribute to that crazy insanity. It was good. Dana Carvey's impression of the guy was fantastic. And people now don't remember that, but it was brilliant observational sketch comedy. The McLaughlin and absolutely group. unhinged loopiness that doesn't <laughs> often get on SNL. Uh, right. It's weird. I mean, SNL is kind of grounded in its, you know, its uh, satire. But that was just off in, you know, the stratosphere, kooky insanity. It was That's just Dana, Dana Carvey. What a fucking talent, this guy. Oh, I, I feel so like they, great. Like, like he, I feel like he's wasting away some. I feel he should be the biggest star I'm in the world. On your side, I, you know, I don't know if it's Dana's doesn't want to work a lot. I mean, maybe some people don't like to work all the time. You think <laughs> but that's it? I think America's missing something by not having the Dana Carvey show on in prime time, being funny, being silly, and just one of the funniest people alive it, it oh should be happening God. i mean out of your era but mm-hmm. the stuff that you wrote you know between uh chris farley doing the yeah. you know and and, and dana carvey doing, yeah. yeah 
Oh, my God. I wrote that alone in my apartment in Chicago when we were doing Second City together. And and it's one of the few sketches, and I've written thousands of sketches, but not many of them sort of are done the way you wrote them when you sat down and wrote them. And that's one of them. That motivational speaker came out just like that. Perfect. And, and of course, Chris elevates it to a whole other You mean to tell me, you see, I kind of had that backwards, but... Did you ever see Farley doing that character, or you sat? In- I saw him do. Uh, he played a coach. We had we right. were doing the improvs at Second City, and he played a coach. And we were doing a "Don't Do Drugs" rally or something on stage, and he did a coach. You kids, right. you think you're going to do amazing things? You're, you're a bunch of you're all smoking the pot and you're all doing the drugs, and <laughs> and it was funny. And he had some of the gestures, and you know, but but I took that. I went home that night. And I'll never forget sitting there with a yellow legal pad and just writing out. I, I grew up in Naperville, Illinois. And when I was a kid, there was this contingent of hippies, Howard, who used to hang out on the bridge down by the river. Right. And I just pictured this guy. And, and Tony Robbins was becoming big at the time. Right. That was his first wave of Tony Robbins. And I thought, what about a motivational speaker who's living in that? And I picture that very place in my hometown and he uses himself as like, I would, I'm a piece of shit. You want to end up like me. <laughs> and I wrote that out. And, and Chris, my daughter once asked me, what's the most fun you've had in show business? And I said, without a doubt, it was second city theater main stage doing that sketch seven times a week with Chris right in your face. And he would not stop until he made every actor in the onstage laugh. That was Crack kind of up. his goal. You get in everyone's face until they died. And what it was, is it, but Bob, what is it like to sit in your apartment by yourself, come up with this thing, this wacky thing yeah, on a, yeah. you know, I'm picturing you like, kind of sitting there and you, you visualize this whole thing. You you're able yeah. to write it down in some coherent way yeah. that mm-hmm. you could convey it to Farley. Farley yeah. gets it. Oh yeah. And, and then this he thing just, evolves and, and, and it must be surreal when you saw it on TV and no one could keep a straight face. Yeah. Farley was doing that same thing. He made Spade laugh. He made uh, oh, yeah. Christina Applegate laugh. I've he never made... seen an audience react. And, and, you know, at Second City, we're not famous. The actors on that stage are not famous. Right. But I've never seen an audience go from, you know, just an audience who's enjoying a show to, like, worshiping a guy in, you know, four minutes. They yep. went from, we're just enjoying a comedy show to, that's the funniest person I've ever seen on planet Earth. And, and I'm going to want to know him forever. And, and it was, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And then to think that I contributed that somehow to SNL where I was nothing but, um, a drag. <laughs> no, you weren't, but, but you must be a very generous person, but you, know but, I mean. but you must a- be an, inc- but for you to feel good. You see, I'm not as good as you. I, I would be like, fuck wish i was out yeah. there doing it i wrote this thing no nah, you were really you felt that for farley you were like man i came up with this thing did farley oh, come up a, to you yeah. afterwards and say bob i want to oh. give you a kiss it, well he it, did that to everybody but chris was like uh but yes chris was incredibly appreciative and but he also was that he really was that way to everybody i mean 
he was uh, uh, he was a big heart that that was always exposed, and of course that's not the healthiest thing to be, I think. But mm-hmm. he he really was that, and and you hear everyone talk about him, and it's all genuine. Everybody was moved to know him, and and he he made us all feel uh, more human in the in the exact moment that you were with him, and and that's a gift that he had. Um, but uh, yeah, but you know, you wonder why Lauren kept you there. Four years. You wrote the most iconic bit. That is one of the most iconic bits yes, but that's that, ever Howard, been performed. That was on the show after I left. Oh, is that right? Yes, I left. Oh. That was on the next year. Oh, that's crazy. I, I was there with Chris for a year. We had done the sh- the sec- the scene in Second City uh, a year and a half before, and and where there during the summer he gets hired. I go to SNL. Back. I go back to SNL. I was a writer there already for three years, and it was my fourth year. And then in that final year, the truth is, Howard, I was able to contribute. I had finally learned the system at SNL a bit, and I was able to help Spade and Sandler and Farley and the young guys put their bits together um, and write some good stuff that played well on the show. And I was thankful to be able to finally help, but it still didn't, wasn't that satisfying to me. And then I left and then they, and then they did the sketch the next year. Wow. I didn't know that, you know, uh, When Conan was in, he he told us the story about how he they <laughs> they sent you and Conan into a room with George Steinbrenner, and Conan oh, said yeah. that yeah he's like you go yeah that would be the story of my life. George Steinbrenner, you you had to pitch him a sketch, and he basically just sat there and yelled at you guys for and like <laughs> you guys you guys thought okay, that was you know funny. Who really yelled at me, Jeremy oh. Irons. Is that right? Why <laughs> Jeremy Irons? Well, because. Rob Schneider and I had written this monologue, I think, and yes, and uh, it wasn't great. <laughs> he was right. He was so really were, mad. He was so, so as a mad. writer. What is the the scenario? Goes, you I'm walk sorry, in. I have to do it. Okay. I mean, I mean, you've got. I've got this. You have me doing this. I can sing. I can dance. I can juggle. I'm a Shakespearean trained actor. And you have me doing this. And he was really mad. And Howard, I taped it. I taped it. Oh. I, had a little, I had a little recorder and I taped so it. so mean. Because I loved it so much. And he was, he was right. God bless him. It wasn't a great monologue. But did he, you play uh, it for everyone? The tape? Did you? Pl- do you just play it for I yourself? I played or- it for many people. I don't know many where people. it is now. It's at the bottom of a bin <laughs> Damn, there's a. That's the greatest but, uh, tape that ever. Exists. Never. Comes. Oh, it really does, uh, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. God, are you proud but, of that? I mean, do you do you sort of take a pride that you've been yelled at by some of the best? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, He's a great actor. The, the last thing I have to mention, and then you're going because I'm taking up too much of your time. But but the idea that you had Kristen Wiig as a babysitter when Kristen was on here, I said, yeah. Yeah. did Bob ever come on to you? I said, what, what? I said, Naomi must be so fucking secure that she would have you come into the house. You know, Kristen's a very I'm attractive a woman. I, You're I'm a, good, a good, guy. good guy. You behaved yourself. Yeah, I'm a good and, guy. My dad was you, a rat. Yeah. You know, that, come on. You, you, it, it makes you want to be a good person. You well, know, if, they, if there's anything he did well for the seven kids that he had and i don't know how that worked out 
because he was never around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Came home seven times, Howard. Good, yeah, good plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I know. I hate, I hate my life, but I'll have seven kids and let them be miserable. <laughs> Perfect. But, uh, but you know, yeah, listen, she's great, an amazing talent and a gift, a joy to be around. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, my kids have had some amazing, you know, growing up in Hollywood, amazing, uh, people around them. Yep. Yep. Well, listen, there's a million stories we could have gotten to, but we, we, we've kept yeah. you long enough. But okay. when you come back, let's do a teaser. Let me do a plug here. He's doing a sequel here, huh? You're gonna you're gonna come back on here and you're gonna tell us about the time you had to pitch a sketch to uh, Steven Seagal Ooh, for oh Hans God. and Franz. You're yeah. gonna you promise yeah. to tell that? Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, look, who knows what'll be? Hey, listen, but anyway, man, thanks. But I'll have seven kids and let them be miserable. <laughs> it's perfect. But uh, but you know, yeah. Listen, she's great, an amazing talent, and a gift, a joy to be around. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, my kids have had some amazing, you know, growing up in Hollywood, amazing, uh, people around them. Yep. Yep. Well, listen, there's a million stories we could have gotten to, but we, we, we've kept you long enough, but when you come back, let's do a teaser. Let me do a plug here. He's doing a sequel here. You're going to, you're going to come back on here and you're going to (laughs) tell us about the time you had to pitch a sketch to, uh, Steven Seagal for Hans and Franz. You're going to, you promise to tell that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, look, who knows what'll be. Hey, listen, but anyway, man, thanks for having yeah. me. Thanks for watching the movie. And I'm the so movie liked is it. called Nobody. Nobody. I promise you. You know, I don't bullshit you. I didn't like the movie where I'd say, hey, I didn't get to see the movie. I saw this movie. My wife loved it. I love it. I'll tell you how much I love it. I will watch it again. Yeah. Because it's my fantasy. It's yeah, that yeah, I yeah. could kick somebody's ass, someone, yeah. multiple people's yeah. asses. Yeah, and Bob yeah. does a very convincing, uh, a, a convincing badass. Well, may I say that there, the thing I love, you know, you talk about delivering lines and delivering them credibly. Yeah. I think it's more important when you're not saying anything. Yeah. To convey what the character is thinking. Yeah. And when you're yeah. sitting on that bus. And those guys come through that door. <laughs> it is the greatest moment. <laughs> hey, I'll give you I'll give you a compliment. Unlike Steven Seagal, Bob can lift his leg. He can actually uh <laughs> get it off the ground. So it's impressive. It's uh it's it's perfect. It's so fun, yeah. The movie is actually in theaters now and will be on demand April sixteenth. So that's pretty soon. So uh there you go. Bob, thanks for giving us so much time. It was a, an you, honor Howard. and pleasure to uh, meet with you, and and uh, thanks for sharing all those stories with us. And uh, you are you're a good guy. You're not like your dad. I I declare <laughs> uh, thanks it. Thanks so much, buddy. All right, Thank you. real real pleasure. Thank Bob you, Odenkirk and nobody. It's thanks, a Bob. Pleasure. There Take he is. Eye. He's Saul. He's Bob. He's the guy in nobody. Oh, what a delightful this is such guy! A departure for him. You're going to have so much fun because you know when he first says. You know, somebody first says to you that uh, Bob Odenkirk is doing an action film. It's like, was every other action actor busy? Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? But well, he's there you so go. good. He did it. He did it. Anyway, uh, Robin, um, that was exciting. A lot of fun. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Guy's done it all.
wrote for Saturday Night Live. He's had his own sketch comedy shows. He was on yeah, the Larry I'm glad Sanders you show. Did get to tell us some of the sketches he's responsible for. Yeah, some of the biggies. Uh, he was on the Larry Sanders show, which we love. Yeah, and uh, you know, and of course, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. So, all right. Anything you want to add, Robin? Uh, anything uh, have we I forgotten? forgotten? Anything today? Anything well, I don't you think missed? We did. Anything we you didn't get everything. acknowledged for? I don't well, think so. I want to make sure I got a belch in before I left. <laughs> well, you started that way. Yep. And we've come that, full circle. <laughs> that's it. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Um, we'll see you I next time. I wanted to say I love you. I love you. To who? To me Everyone or to the audience? And especially you. Oh, no, no. I thought you were saying it to me. If you, It is especially you. I, but you mentioned the audience. But I do. I was just overwhelmed. I was like, I love you. Oh, well, I love you. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> well, you know, Bob was talking about the most important thing for him as an actor is when he finally started to relax. Yes. During a performance. And, you know, I spent many years in radio before I met Robin, trying to do the same thing. How do I get on mic and be fully relaxed where I almost don't even remember that I'm on a microphone? How could I get so relaxed? You know, I mean, uh, th th nowadays when I do a show, sometimes I have to go back in my mind, like right away and go, was I just on the radio saying that? Or do I imagine I said, like, I'm so relaxed on the radio now that I sometimes don't even know what I've said on the radio or in real life. I don't, I, I it, it all gets confused. It all gets blurred, right. It, you don't know where you said it. Yeah. And I go, did I do that? And then I have to check with people and, you know, it, it, it gets all very confusing. And that to me is being relaxed on the radio. But I remember getting on the radio and being the opposite of that. I couldn't relax. And, you know, over the years, it, like you take Fred. Fred is so relaxed right now. He's actually masturbating. He's he doesn't even remember. He's he's he, did, he's, he slept, he ate, and now he's jerking off. <laughs> but, but, but to be serious for a minute, Bob said that, you know, being relaxed is where it's at as an actor. So I was very aware of my own discomfort on the radio, and, and I could not relax. And I was going to tell Bob this, but I didn't want to make it about me. But the, when I started to relax on the radio is when I met Robin. Because Robin was somebody who relaxed me. She was such a good person to play with that I became relaxed. So she was my conduit to getting relaxed. When I first met Robin, I was, you know, I'd come out of Detroit radio. I had not succeeded. Um, it wasn't that the people I was working with were bad or anything like that. It just, I didn't feel relaxed and I couldn't really be me. And then I met Robin on the phone and we talked and was very relaxed when we talked on the phone. But then when we got on the air, it wasn't that I was relaxed instantly. It took me a long time even after meeting Robin, but there was a click. I felt not alone. So she was the catalyst for getting me into the right zone so that I could become the performer I wanted to become. So, when you say you love me, it's irrelevant. I love you. Well, you know, because you relaxed me and you made me a great performer. 
because of just being who you are. So there you go. But it wasn't like I didn't want you. I knew that. You knew it better what than I What I would do was sit in the... We didn't work this way at the very beginning. I would just no. show up a couple of times an hour. Right. And I would sit in the newsroom preparing to come back. And I would listen. And I would say, how do I make it better? Right. Because he's so talented. All I saw was this really incredibly talented person. And I would be just like, if I'm going to be there, I should make it better. And you did. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, I mean, uh, and I would notice a difference from when you were in the studio and when you weren't. It was better when you were there. So and that's what I was just like, I'm, I should not be interrupting anything. I should not be stopping anything. I should be making it better. If I'm going to be in there with him, he's so amazing. I ought to make it better. That's See, all I wanted to do. We're ending the show on a love fest, which is what everyone needs in this world right now. Find someone you appreciate and tell them you love them. I love that's facials. what you love facials. What? That's that. I don't I think that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's not what oh, we're talking my. about. Rob. No, that it was the honor and the joy of my life when I was able to contribute. Do you think we should tell Fred we love him or should we just not bother? We should, of course, open this up to Fred. But if we open it up, what if Fred goes off the rails and starts <laughs> saying something? I mean, you really want to no. go, All right. Fred, where are you? No. <laughs> I'm here. Fred, I love you. And uh, Robin wants to tell you too, something. And it was very sweet with Robin. Yes. Well, we both love you. Fred is like a maestro. <laughs> he adds like, the music. I like his glasses. Let me see those glasses. Are they I've got to get No, no, I like them. I, I'm saying I like really? them. Yeah, you mean if I compliment you, you think I'm bullshitting you? No, I thought they might have been crooked. These are my uh, $100... Uh, Lens crafters glasses. Well, I'm thinking of getting a pair of glasses like what you're wearing, which is a, a kind of a big kind of square look really? with a dark. Yes, because I I I I, I think I'll be able to see something. Well, I <laughs> think like, bigger and, you think bigger the bigger the glasses, glasses, the better you. Yeah, can I see? swear. I think my glasses are too small. I'm going to get big giant glasses <laughs> like Mr. Magoo glasses. I like Fred's. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to find out go. the name of those. That's I see a I'm lot of do. people wearing the big glasses. Uh, Kurt Sutter wears those. If you go in, yes, he's got these huge ass glasses that like. Windows. Kurt Sutter, he's a tough guy. Absolutely. I wouldn't fuck with him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now we said we lo- I, we love you to Fred, but I draw the line on uh, Gary Sal or Richard you, or anything. We're not going to extend you better, it. You, say you love this. me. <laughs> I love them all. I love Gary Sal, Richard. I do. I love them all. Anyway, oh, there's Gary Puppet. I love you, Gary Puppet. I love you. <laughs> okay. And I love you too. Yeah, I love you, Robin. Does anyone love Benji? <laughs> Let's me, let me throw it out there. That's the big question. You know what? Benji and I have been having a little bit of a text love fest. You gave him your text? He got it back when I was in the hospital sick. Remember, he used to write and ask if he could come see me. That's and how he was no. getting to me, and I'd say right. no. 
But so he kept the number. And every once in a while, he sends me a text. And so last week, I talked about our relationship with animals. And, you know, it's a short-term love affair. And Benji wrote me that evening and said, I loved how you described your relationship with animals. And I love that term, short-term love affair. And so I thanked him for appreciating what I had to say. And then we had the... Uh, the um, bet with uh, each other over John Hine and Gary. And so I had to, he reached out and said, you asked if I had Venmo. So I sent him his hundred bucks for, from the, so we've been in touch with each other. I'm like, can I be honest with you? I'm I'm communicating with Benji. I think you're making a huge mistake. No offense to Benji. No offense to anybody, (laughs) but take that back. No, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get, go down the rabbit hole with him. And eventually you're gonna be like, oh shit, he's texting again and again. And, and you're gonna wanna get oh. out of it. And you're not gonna be able to. And, uh, how do you plan to get out of it? Look, like Benji, cause now you're encouraging Benji and he's gonna keep writing you. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, he's, he's gonna be like, you know, come on, come on. I thought we were, come we're on, friends. We, we, yeah, we, we, Robin, can I sleep I on take your back board? Everything I said, don't write me again. <laughs> no, I love Benji. I love everybody who works here. And, uh, love you all. And, uh, of course, Robin, uh, we'll see. Do you see. have any leftover food I could eat? <laughs> By the way, have you figured out how to pay Benji? You lost the bet. I gave, I sent him a Venmo. Oh, you did? Payment. What is Venmo? Yeah. I don't even know that. Venmo is another way you can, uh, it's owned by PayPal, and it's a oh. way you can pay people online or with your phone. I don't want any of that Venmo. Just send me money. <laughs> well, I can't <laughs> stuff it through this machine, Howard. All right. Well. And Sal, if you have a Venmo, let me know. All right. You owe Sal money. You took a beating on that. I know. No. Sorry. I emailed I you last week, it. Robin. Oh, you did? You emailed me. That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> what did you email? for that. Your Venmo? Yeah, I, I emailed her my Venmo information. Oh. Okay. It's really convenient, Howard. You should try it. It's great. Mm, I'm not interested. <laughs> I just wouldn't pay you, Sal. I just say, hey, I'll pay you when I see you. And then be 10 years. <laughs> it's a great way to avoid me. <laughs> <laughs> no, love uh, you Robin, guys. Absolutely. Love you. Love you, Sal. And, and Benji, you too. And, and everyone Thank else. And you. we'll see. By and the we'll way, I accept time. crypto and garbanzo beans for payment. All real. right. Thank you. All right. We'll be back next time.